so she doesn't answer something okay something's up she's busy i recorded a short video and i sent it to her and uh, it's been posted on our social media and stuff like that um i've got a bipap in my nose with a big tube around the side and they are forcing oxygen in my lungs to keep me going and i'm taking long breaths just trying to tell her and i just i said to her like um they're taking me to the icu i don't know what's going on i love you guys and i'll do everything i can and uh after that it's the lights are off Hi everybody, welcome to the Flare Up Show. This is Chrissy Cordingly. Uh, I have been taking a little bit of a hiatus. It wasn't really planned or expected. I changed jobs back around Christmas time and uh, it's been a bit of a, a learning curve, which has been really great. My new work is amazing. I'm very happy there. Um, I've just had to unlearn a few things and remember uh, how to have Uh, balance. And what's been really exciting about that is it freed up space for me to uh, really focus on what I want, what I want to do, what I want to spend time on, and how I want to feel. So I actually uh, started working with a personal trainer back in January because I actually found uh, with this new role, um, and the, just the different environment that it is, uh, not that it's better or worse than my previous environment, it's just different. I had energy, like after work, like waking up in the morning without an issue. And I was like, I might actually need to do something with this energy now. And so I have had chronic pain, which, which you all know about. But because I was so tired and exhausted and, and mentally exhausted uh, for a long time. It was uh, it was tough. It was tough to work out. It didn't feel like it gave energy. And it, so I couldn't really get stronger in my back and core and neck where I have a lot of that chronic pain, you know, migraines and that kind of thing. Um, so in January, I felt ready. I felt like I have a little bit of excess energy. I'm not as stressed. Um, I think now I have space to sort of work through the pain because whenever you have a chronic uh, condition and you take on some new habits, especially if it's involving, you know, exercise, nutrition, you can set yourself up for a flare, but also, you know, things hurt at first, right? So there's an adjustment period that goes on and I finally felt like I had the, the safe place to be able to relax enough outside of work. Uh, to, to do that, to make space for that. So I <laughs> started working with Pure Lifestyle, which is in Winnipeg on Empress. It's an amazing place. They they have a package right now called the Launch Package, where Pure is not your normal gym. You don't just show up and work out. You work with a trainer and you pay a $200 membership fee, I think it is, that's for the basic, and you set an appointment and you go to the gym at your appointment and then you have a trainer that works with a bunch of you. It's still your individualized plan. They call it semi-private because she, your trainer may have a couple of other clients in the gym at the same time as you. And that's no problem. And what I love about that place is they're all, you know, masters in kinesiology. So 
the reason I like going there is they have a real understanding of not just, you know, normal body function, but also the difference between, you know, normal athletic stress and your body needs rest stress. And if you have special conditions, injuries, illnesses that you need, you know, uh, accommodations or, you know, adjustments in your routine, they can help you recognize the difference between that discomfort, you know, that normal discomfort that you get when you're working new muscles and learning new movements from, oh no, this is actually causing more damage. So I trust them completely. And that's been awesome. So I'm working out two to three times a week using those programs. So I just used the launch program, which was a few hundred dollars to go. You get an assessment and then you get four, uh, and that includes four, four training sessions. So you get, um, so I received four home programs that I do at home now, and I just switch them up as I, as I go along. And even now I'm progressing and adding weights and, and different movements to them, which is, which is amazing. So it's been really nice. I haven't uh, lost weight. A lot of people are like, well, oh, you lose weight. No, but I'm stronger. I even walked my dog yesterday. My dog used to be a big trigger. So if I would walk and he would pull because my neck and shoulders and core were so weak and damaged from, you know, all the surgeries that I've had in my abdomen and that, and my migraine issues and like nursing my neck and shoulders, uh, they were very weak. So if he pulled, it would pull right out and I would end up with migraine. I would end up with flare, a lot of inflammation in my shoulders. And yesterday I walked him for the first time after starting this routine and I had no trouble holding him. Like I, he didn't even, even when he did jump towards something, I just, it wasn't even like it took effort. It was just the most incredible feeling to feel that progress. So the strength, uh, has been awesome. And I've been waking up and I become a morning person again, which is amazing. So I used to always be a morning person. I was always up early with the sun. And now I find even if I try to sleep in past seven, seven thirty, it's really difficult for me. I'm up. <laughs> I'm moving. I'm, I'm doing lots of cool things. So that's been awesome. My migraines have not reduced a whole lot yet, but they're beginning easier to manage. I am definitely taking less pain medication, which is great. I have an internal specialist appointment coming up in April, uh, which is hopefully going to put some, uh, they call it trigger point injections because these the trapezoids, the muscles behind my neck are the issue. They're seized and they won't relax. So we do, I do massage and heat and cold and I have a TENS machine and that helps manage it without using too much medication. Uh, but I'll be really happy when uh, medication becomes, you know, an exception uh, to a month, not more often than not. So, but we're getting there. Progress. I was thinking, you know, like I have been working on my health and, and everything for, you know, I started this process probably five years ago and from where I was to where I am now and the things that I'm able to do is amazing. But if I, <laughs> there were so many times within that five years, I'm like, what's the point? Nothing's working. But over time, like this is, I'm like the longest overnight success story you've ever heard one day. <laughs> I will be the epitome of health and people will be like, what? You used to be sick, but it's taken all this time. So if you are struggling with making lifestyle changes and you're like, oh, like nothing's working. I want to give up. Don't just keep going and just get back on track because over time, these little progresses, they add up and compare yourself 
to you know a year from a year ago two years ago three years ago four years ago five years ago and really look at the differences and uh, and that's when you can start to feel feel really great about yourself and with that has also come a lot of mental clarity so this switching to this new job and there was a lot of grief and mourning because I really loved my old uh, position and my old workplace and I had a lot of grief a lot of emotional work that I had to do a lot of nerves and anxiety that came with being in a completely new and unfamiliar place um, it was really hard and I <laughs> being you know highly sensitive it was it was really difficult but um, on the other side of this now and feeling comfortable and settled and like you know it's gonna be what it's gonna be it's oh god I sleep at night I sleep that was the other thing too was a few years ago they were pretty sure I had sleep apnea which is why I was tired all the time and I had finally so I had a assessment with a sleep doctor they recommended me for a sleep study that took two years because of COVID finally had that and no issues none I am perfectly normal I do snore but not more than the average bear so <laughs> so and it really depends how how tired I am or you know if I've had you know a hit from the bomb before bedtime so that makes a difference too <laughs> anyways uh, so today I have and I'm back and uh, I am looking for more guests I really love doing these podcasts and um so i've missed you i missed you all and i really hope that uh, if you have any story you want to share about health you know, wellness anything i would love to have you on let's just chit chat uh and, but today i have chris eastford from uh tree here in manitoba now he was in the news last year uh when he contracted covid before vaccinations were available so he contracted they think the delta variant um and he was in the news because he was on a respirator and basically in a coma for a couple weeks and he's doing well and thankfully he has escaped or sort of gotten away from long COVID which is really great he had some other injuries but that was more due to his size and the way they had to manipulate him on the ventilator and those kinds of things in the hospital when he was in a coma uh, but he'll explain that and I just I wanted him on to kind of share his story uh, just about perseverance and about you know what COVID was all about and why it was about making sure our healthcare systems didn't get overwhelmed and and also update now like how does he feel now seeing the restrictions uh, becoming removed and things progressing as COVID turns to endemic from pandemic um, where we just learn to live with this now that we have a high vaccinated rate uh, within the population and we're not looking at overwhelming or collapsing the healthcare system as people get sick with COVID, which is, which is good. So I really, he's an amazing person. He's a lovely family man. He's got a beautiful wife and son. And if you had listened to my previous episode with Ryan Zamet, Ryan was the one who caught COVID from Chris. Uh, so he, he, if you, if his name sounds familiar and you're listening to this podcast, that might be why. So, uh, I really hope that you enjoy and thank you again, Chris, for, for sharing so openly with me. So hi, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. So today I have Chris Eastford, uh, joining us to talk about, uh, COVID actually, because he was in the news when COVID uh, when the Delta variant first hit pretty hard, he was in the news because he had contracted it 
and um, ended up on respirator and, and now has long COVID, correct? Sort of? To, to an extent, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into all those details really shortly, but I just, I really want to thank you for being on today and, and making the time to share. And we met actually through our mutual friend, Ryan, which is cool. So maybe just start with introducing yourself, you know, your name, a little bit about you, a little bit about your family, where you live in Manitoba, and sort of maybe who you were before COVID. Before COVID. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, so yeah, Chrissy's heard, um, born and raised in Treehorn, Manitoba, so back here now, after working around the countryside a bit. Uh, married, got a little guy. Um, I have a little one on the way in September. Oh, congratulations. That's Thank exciting. you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, that's about it. Uh, Pre-COVID, uh, um, I was kind of in a, a bit of a rut and uh, was just doing the same thing over and over with work and that. And um, I was a little bit overweight. Um, when I, I ended up going into the hospital, I was 440 pounds. Wow. Uh, but I'm 6'7". Uh, I fill a door frame. When I walk in, my shoulders most likely hit both sides. Yeah. So I, I, I've been told I carry it well, but I was heavy. Yeah. Uh, blood pressure was a little high, but it was under control. Um, nothing really outstanding that really stuck out for all of this to happen the way it did. Yeah. So what, uh, what day is your little one due in September? Uh, the 28th, I believe. Oh, okay. yeah. my daughter is the eighth. That's when they were born. So I was like, Oh, yeah. for the eighth, maybe they'll come early. It's just like, I make it about me. Right. And you're just kidding. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So before you got COVID and the pandemic, you know, was just getting started, what were your thoughts on COVID? Did you think it was as big of a deal as people said? Were you cautious, not cautious? Like, what was your perception of COVID prior to contracting it? We were definitely nervous about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, our son uh, was, uh, when I got exposed, he was 15 months old. Oh, that's nerve wracking. Um, yeah, uh, our big thing was we were trying to do everything we can to keep him safe. Um, uh, we had a routine for me when I returned home from work. It was, I didn't touch anything, uh, straight to the bathroom, clothes went into a hot wash. I had a hot shower, you know, anything we could try and do to help prevent this getting at him. Yeah. We tried it. And, uh, yeah, we were definitely, um, nervous, very cautious about it. Yeah. So a good respect for it, for sure. And then maybe share with people what you do, what you were doing at the time for work, a little bit about what your job was. Uh, I'm a, I was a locomotive engineer for a national carrier. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I would travel out of town, uh, take some rest away from home, and then jump on another train and come home. Yeah. And uh, that ended up being where I contracted uh, COVID. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's sure. where, and that's sort of, so Ryan, who was on my show before, he worked with you, so he got COVID from yeah. you, right? So yeah. you can listen mm -hmm. to that episode, everybody, too, later on, but if you can, just sort of the effects of how it all gets passed along. So Yeah, I've actually listened to that probably five times now. Oh, really? So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, it hits a few things for me, and it just uh, it helps keep my memory fresh on things. And uh, it, 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 sorry, it's good to hear 
him because, um, as he said in that podcast, I was very concerned for him. Yes. Even as I was being taken into the ICU. Uh, yeah, that was a big concern of mine was his exposure and oh, the people yeah. around him. Yeah, he was um, so worried about you. I mean, you guys have definitely bonded. I mean, it, you have an experience that not everybody would have, right? So yeah, going to bond over that for sure. So you got COVID at work. That was how you contracted it. Are you able to share the story? Yeah. Like, do you know kind of what, what happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Um, I went to work on a Thursday evening. Um, took a train out of town, went to the hotel, was off for the required rest period. And then we had a contractor uh, pick us up and give us a ride to our train home. And the driver um, had a bit of illness. Um, but I later found out that she was in her first trimester. Oh. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm not sure exactly. You know, I can't explain her side of things um but uh yeah we were exposed uh myself and the conductor of that trip were exposed on the friday morning um my conductor on that trip was sitting behind the driver um it was a minivan and i was passenger side middle row um my conductor that trip didn't get anything Hmm. he was on the back he was right behind her right behind the driver and I was over to the passenger side beside him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Very fortunate that he didn't get it. Uh, From what I've heard, uh, I haven't really been in touch with him though. So I'm hoping he came through unscathed. Um, So yeah, she gives us a ride to her train. Everything's good. We've used this contractor many times. Very, very good people. Mm -hmm. uh, Had a very strong uh disinfectant routine you could you always knew the vans were clean and safe yeah and so uh it was a ride to our train we came home everything was good um we were working on uh we had bought another house because we needed another bedroom we were in a one bedroom house Mm -hmm. that didn't really work with a kid so uh we had bought another house and, and I was doing renovations and doing countertops and stuff like that. So it was a very dusty environment. Yeah. And so uh, I went back to work on, I believe it was Sunday night with Ryan. And uh, I got a scratchy throat and I've got seasonal allergies that rise up. So being the spring, I'm thinking could be the dust from the renovations, could be seasonal allergies, whatever. I'm just, you know, chewing on uh cough lozenges or whatever and uh, like ryan said we're on our way out of town and i start hacking and coughing and mm-hmm. he just makes this covid joke and um, no 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 it's not that it's not that yeah you know as as cautious as we were he never thought that it would come after you so we spent uh 10 hours together in the cabal locomotive in a six by eight cell essentially yeah uh, went to the hotel separate rooms uh Eight hours later, get back on the train, do another 10 hours in that same block. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, if there, if he didn't contract it from me, uh, it would have been an absolute miracle because, yeah, it was close quarters. Yeah, it just, it, it wasn't avoidable. 
No. Um, so we got home on the Monday, and uh, what was it? Uh, I had my f- two days off. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And uh, uh, two days off. Right. Um, I went for lunch with my parents on that Tuesday. Oh. And uh, still scratchy throat and stuff like that. And, uh, my parents are both retired, yeah. uh, but they'd been proactive and had their first booster or their first, uh, first shot. First so they shot. were eligible because you weren't eligible <clears throat> yet, right? Same thing with Ryan. Um, he booked it, but he just wasn't eligible. Correct. Yeah. I was in the ICU for three days when I was actually eligible. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I was so close to being eligible. Um, so, yeah, Tuesday I had lunch with my parents. Uh, at the time, we were living next door to them. And so I remember leaving their place and uh, my supervisor phoning me from work and said, hey, you were a close contact on Friday. And my heart just sunk. I'm like, oh, no. Like, I saw my parents. Yeah. Just saw my parents. I've been around my wife and my kid. Um, this isn't seasonal allergies. This is it. So this was, uh, it was later in the afternoon. I got that call and I'm like, okay, well, our closest testing site was Portage Prairie. So Googled it. Okay. They're open, drove down there. I'm going to get tested. I'm going to find out as soon as I can. Um, so yeah, did that round down there. Um, the next morning, uh, symptoms had kind of gotten worse. So, uh, we decided, no, I'm out of the house. You know, if we, if the damage isn't done, maybe we can prevent it. Yeah. So uh, we didn't even have a bed in the uh, the new to us house. So my brother-in-law's um, grabbed a bed from my wife's grandparents and literally put it just inside the front door and pushed it as far as they could and stayed outside the house. And then I just drug it in. But as I'm dragging it in, I am gasping for air. I'm coughing. I'm like... <clears throat> I told the guys like if this is COVID this is bad guys like just stay away please uh, but they were awesome enough to at least get me a bed so when did oh. it when did you really feel it start coming from like tickles and like allergy to like oh I'm having some trouble like I'm starting to get a little worried uh the Wednesday night Thursday morning kind of thing it started to really flare up so it was uh five days from exposure where it started to get like difficult um so yeah i uh spent thursday wednesday night thursday night i think it was mm-hmm. in this house and um through friday morning i called uh or friday afternoon i called down to the uh, local hospital and said um here's my vitals here's what's going on what do i do yeah because um i was just thinking like if I am contagious right now, I don't want to go to the hospital. Um, we live in a small community with a very elderly population. Mm-hmm. And uh, my thoughts are like, just let's talk before I go. Yeah. So uh, I was able to talk to the doctor and she said, you know, okay, your, your vitals are okay. They're not great. Um, call us in the morning or we'll call you if anything gets worse come in but if you can stay home stay home Mm -hmm. so okay i'm okay with that what Um, did it feel like at this point like was it just like pressure like 
Ryan said he had like difficulty. Sharp, almost like a heart attack. But what did what was yours like? It was a heavy chest. It was difficult breathing. Uh, I had fevers coming on and off pretty steady. Uh, I don't remember exactly what my temperature was, but uh, my wife had a pulse oximeter at her clinic, so I was able to maintain or monitor my oxygen levels. Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, uh, yeah, it's something in, during the surge of the pandemic. I was recommending to everybody like it's thirty or forty bucks on around. Know what your levels are normally at resting. Um, because when this comes on, then you can see that your stats are dropping and you know to get help. What did uh, yours go down? Like when you had your, when you started noticing your levels dropping, what did they go down to before you went in? Um, I don't remember. Like my memory gets kind of easy guess, on this yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, but there <laughs> is a, the last picture I sent to my wife of the uh, pulse oximeter, uh, my oxygen level is around 86. Oh, yeah. so yeah uh usually around i think i was told around 90 uh they usually like to have medical intervention like to help start pumping oxygen and stuff like that so that was the last picture i sent to her i don't remember what i told the doctor um when they called me back saturday morning but um it was i i am so thankful for this doctor uh she was amazing because at the time, um, our hospital didn't have the equipment to handle me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a large guy. If I go down, they didn't have that equipment. So their thoughts were, if you come in, we got to send you to Brian because they're set up for this. They've got the COVID equipment. They've got stuff for your size. Uh, but when she called to get me transferred to Brandon, uh, they were very reluctant to take me. Um, because their numbers were already coming up pretty quick. Oh, wow. So um, they told her that we'll take him for 24 hours, but if he doesn't get worse, he has to find his old ride home. And that's, and so I mean, like, and that's, so when we think about all the people that have been like talking about freedom and not having restrictions, like it was never, and they're like, oh, people that are vaccinated to get COVID. It was never really about that. It was always about, that scenario does a doctor gonna have to decide who gets to live or die simply because of resources right like it was all just about overwhelming the healthcare system like yeah i mean that's the whole point right there so that you don't have to worry about is there going to be enough room for me right or anyone else in my family if they get sick that's crazy i was tremendously tremendously fortunate that yeah. uh, they took me in and had the equipment there for yes. when I did go down um so yeah Saturday morning I think it was like 10 o'clock in the morning um went to the hospital drove myself there I'm not exposing <laughs> anybody I'm just like got in my truck I'm you just Sorry, it's, you, know, <laughs> you say that but the RCMP station is actually right across from my house oh. so, yeah I I yeah anyways i drove myself down to the hospital left my keys there and whatever uh go in there and small community i love this community and it's been phenomenal uh but everybody knows everybody yeah so i walk in and one of our good friends is my nurse and uh, yeah yeah it's cool but it's one of those things where i would rather have had a stranger see Mm -hmm. me in this moment of like complete weakness but uh, she was phenomenal. Like, 
<laughs> there was one point where my coughing got so bad that I ended up throwing up. Yeah. And so uh, I'm talking to this nurse and I'm like, I, I need to throw up. So she hands me the garbage can and I'm throwing it up. And like, after I'm done, I'm like, I am so sorry. And she's like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, so yeah, I'm texting my wife and I'm like, yeah, I just, I just threw up in front of the nurse. I feel so bad. It's oh, fine. Just relax. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm glad they uh, gave you a garbage can because they always give me one of those little kidney bowls, which are so small. Oh, <laughs> it's like spray. And they're round. So it's <laughs> like, it's just a, it's a speed ramp. Just for a projectile. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just a speed ramp. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, get there, go through all that. And they want to do a blood gas test, uh, for anybody that's had a blood gas test. They know it sucks. Uh, they go in through, I don't know. I'm not well, they, they go in, uh, mine were all done in my left wrist. Uh, they have, they don't take the easily accessible veins. They take the, um, God, I wish I knew the proper terms for this, but it's the fresh blood that's, you know, essentially feeding your hands, not to return. Uh, oh, the arterial they, arterial. Yeah. That's, that sounds right. Cold I think fish? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I'm not a medical terms guy. No, you know, no, I learned no. so much through all this. But yeah. um, anyways, they kind of have to go digging in your wrist a bit to find this vein with the fresh blood in it. And uh, it's not comfortable, especially when the person doing it hasn't done it in a while. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there was a couple attempts the first time, which fine, whatever. If, if that was all that I had to go through, great. You know, it wasn't overly that bad. But uh, they did that just to confirm what my oxygen levels really actually were. And they had been steadily dropping. So I was in our hospital here for two and a half hours. And then they put me in an ambulance and shipped me off. Right off to Brandon. Yeah. And uh, I'll give them credit. Uh, the procedures they had, or probably still have, with COVID going on, were very well detailed and everybody knew what was going on mm. we pulled into the ambulance shed in brandon and nobody left the vehicle they knew that it was a covid positive patient coming in uh, they had an escort there and it was straight shot into the isolation ward like wow. no exposure yeah. anywhere else so uh, i remember that very clearly because i'm sitting in the van like and of course i have to wear a mask Mm -hmm. um, because, and you're already you know, in trouble breathing. Uh -oh. Yeah, so it's, and I don't fit on a stretcher worth a damn. So, um, yeah, it wasn't overly comfortable. I'm sitting there like, hey, like, get me to a better bed, even though I know hospital beds aren't comfortable, but anything better than a stretcher is better. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I remember, you know, why are we sitting here? Oh, I got to wait for the escort and this and that. And so it was all good. Uh, they took me up and, uh, it starts getting really hazier right now. I've got partial memory here and there, uh, but I remember uh, being in a room and the bathroom was like four feet away from my bed, and I had to go pee. And I'm not, I'm not one to ask for help. No. And they've already got an oxygen hose, um, the prongs under my nose, and uh, I got myself into the bathroom, sat down, peed, and had to call the help had to pull a help button okay. and i'm thinking what is going on like I, I don't have enough strength to lift myself off the toilet and get back into that bed and so uh, yeah two nurses came in and helped me back into bed and 
that was uh, uh, the second last memory I had before I went into coma. Uh, I've got a vague memory of uh, phoning my wife oh. and telling her that I'm going into the ICU. I didn't know what was happening. Um, but there was a hiccup with that. When I tried calling her, she didn't answer. Um, her and our son Jameson had been infected. And so they had gone and got tested. Uh, but something happened with the uh, the lab tests and they had gotten cancelled. So they had to go get retested. So she is actually in the testing facility in Portage Prairie as I'm calling her, telling her that I'm yeah. getting transferred to the ICU. Yeah. So she doesn't answer something. Okay, something's up. She's busy. I recorded a short video and I sent it to her. And uh, it's been posted on our social media and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I've got a BiPAP in my nose with a big tube around the side and they are forcing oxygen in my lungs to keep me going. And I am taking long breaths, just trying to tell her. And I just, I said to her, like, um, they're taking me to the ICU. I don't know what's going on. I love you guys and I'll do everything I can. Yeah. And, uh, after that, it's the lights are off. Uh, nobody was home for more or less two weeks. Oh, so, wow. So yeah. what did they fill you in after? So, so your wife um, were okay though? Oh, like no, they didn't need medical intervention. They, they were- didn't, That's- but they did contract it. Yes. Um, yes. So that, that's one thing, uh, that I struggle with because, um, um, I've always been the one that my family kind of leans on. Um, I've always been the protector. You know, I've gone on vacations to Vegas and stuff, and I've had, you know, people talk to their parents and say, you know, yeah, I'm going to Vegas. And they're like, oh, that's no good. Oh, I'm going with Chris. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, I've always been the one, the protector. I've never been... a a harm guy yeah and so that that sticks with me the most because um just the other day i was scrolling through some old social media of mine and i've got a post of jameson giggling and it says like this is what we're doing you know we're going through these procedures to keep him safe please do the same and it just clicks in it's like ah everything i did it didn't work but it but it did in a way because they didn't get it nearly as severe as you did right like yeah so you did it did in a way yeah 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 so uh that one really stuck with me because um when i was in the medically induced coma uh, my wife was sending me pictures and stuff like that on my phone and updates and videos and she was in isolation for three weeks uh by herself while I was on the machine keeping me alive, uh, she couldn't, nobody came, nobody could come into the house to help her. Mm-mm. So she's not feeling well. It didn't kick her butt very hard, but it still got her. Oh. Um, Jameson was running fever for a couple of days. Um, she just, her task was essentially just to keep uh, him hydrated, keep monitoring him. Um, you know, so they uh, um, they had a pulse oximeter that would fit on his big toe, 
So she would put that on him and just monitor him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was, I could only imagine the hell that she went through. So that must, uh, have, that must have been something to wake up to all that and sort of realize. Well, you were yeah. out, right? And like, did you, do you remember like when you're in a coma, what's that like? Like, is it just like you're out and then you're up and it's weeks later? Like, does it feel like, do you remember dreaming? Like, what is that? There, there's, there's some pretty good dreams. Come yeah. on. <laughs> there's some really good dreams. <laughs> I've, I've been trying to document them too, just because my memory hasn't been great. So no, when, and that's part of COVID too, right? Them. Isn't there like memory yeah. issues with from COVID too, right? You get the yeah. Fog. I was dealing with a lot of uh, COVID fog. Yeah. Uh, now that I'm back in, at work and I have a position that really requires my brain to be firing, and I'm exercising it more, it, it seems like the fog is getting a lot better. Yeah. But I do still have some. So a coma is like sleep. Then it feels like you were sleeping. It's it's a it's a deep sleep. Yeah. Some weird dreams, and uh, you just kind of wake up disoriented. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, bless. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is no, allergies. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah i'm just waiting for that to kick in too so yeah. Uh, yeah so then you wake up so do they wake you up when you're ready or do you sort of come out of that naturally like what do they do oh so there's there's here's the fun one about being my size uh so the paralytic and stuff that they use to essentially paralyze you so you don't resist it and uh, the medications they use to knock you out do attach to the fat cells in your body, uh, fat in the muscle tissue. So your body will actually build up a reserve of it. So it took three days by the sound of it, um, essentially to get me awake because, oh, yeah. So when you go into the ICU, when I started, it was a one-to-one. -one. You had a nurse that literally sat at a table on the other side of a glass wall watching you. And then as things progressed, uh, it was two to one, two patients to a nurse because shorting shortage issues. Uh, and then at some points it was even three to one. And so it's kind of, they're busy and stuff like that. So uh, there was also some nurses that weren't overly comfortable with the guy my size moving and twitching as I'm waking up. Yeah. So you, a nurse who's been through this, done this for 30 years. And I wish I could remember her name off the top of my head. Uh, the one that finally said, no, he's waking up today. But uh, they'd get an experienced nurse kind of during the day who would keep backing the drugs off. Mm -hmm. And then the night nurse would come in and I'd start moving and twitching and be like, no, no, we can't deal with this right now. So they'd turn it back up a little bit. And the <laughs> day would come back it off. And yeah. so, yeah, it was that. And then as they're backing it off, like you, they couldn't just cut me off completely because uh i'd go into withdrawals is what i was told yeah so they're stepping it down stepping it down but my body's feeding itself so i've got all the storage built up in me and so they're backing it off but it's nothing's happening because my body just keeps myself comfortable you know knock myself out yeah uh and then finally um on the last uh, day i was out the day nurse came in and said, no, no, it's, it's his time to wake up and just back it off completely. And apparently it's a bit of a rougher day because now I'm groggy and all this and, you know, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I'm very thankful that she was the one that finally said, no, it, it, it's go time. Like you're, you're waking up. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you, was the ventilator actually in you? 12 days. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm very fortunate that it was only 12 days. Yeah. I've heard many stories where it's much longer. There's, I've heard stories of trait tubes. I've, you know, it's, it's, it beats people up. It's insane. It's a, it's a very, yeah, it's a difficult, my, actually, I have a funeral tomorrow. My uncle didn't have COVID, but during COVID, right around when this happened to you, he needed a lung removed, he had cancer. And uh, there were some complications. And when they put him on the ventilator, he passed away from the ventilator causing a heart attack. So it's, it's, it's a really scary procedure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was so during this all um, the staff and Brandon were absolutely phenomenal with keeping my wife up to date and because awesome. um, you wouldn't even be able to come see you you're in isolation right like no no there was one point the one of them told her that uh, you don't have to worry because you're not allowed in yet yeah you know if they're letting her in then that's the end um, so uh, the, the, yeah, the local Kinsman Club, uh, which I volunteer with, actually donated an iPad to the ICU in Brandon to oh, nice. allow families to FaceTime. Oh, that's so um, nice. They had one up there already, but mm -hmm. at the time, they were running two ICUs because they maxed out the first one, so they changed it up and made a second one. So yeah, um, they donated that, so my wife was able to facetime with the nurses and they showed her me and showed her all the equipment and oh my kept God. her very much in the loop and stuff and i do have some screenshots of uh of some of the facetimes where it's all the tubes and all that fun stuff hanging out of me and mm. yeah it uh, it was fortunate in that aspect that they were able to do that and keep her up to date so you're on the ventilator for 12 days they wake you up and then how and then what is recovery from there uh timeline is kind of hazy because <laughs> days and nights really didn't exist you know it's no. kinda, when i my body says it's time to sleep you just shut yes. off and you're, you're gone you're just so drained ryan said uh, that he felt like he was at the whim of his body like there was nothing he could yep. do on purpose if his body yep. needed rest it needed up it needed whatever like he had to complete so is that the same experience for you 100 percent. had yeah. to listen to the cues yeah yeah him and i both know what it's like working in our industry yeah and there are a lot of times where you just have to say to your body like no no it's not sleep time we have to yeah. keep working we've got to finish this yeah uh going through all this it was like your body said sleep it just turned off you don't have <laughs> any chance to fight it's yeah. you're finding you're somewhere to lay down you're done yeah so uh yeah, I uh, came to, and I've got some in and out kind of dreams in the ICU part. Um, some amazing staff there that, you know, understood like where I was mentally, like um, that I wasn't completely cognitive of the situation kind of thing. Yeah. So they were very understanding and all that. Um, so I was in the ICU for a bit it started getting full. So there was kind of a push to get me out of it, oh. um, <laughs> which I'm yeah. fine with, you know, 
it, it is what it is. So mm-hmm. uh, they transferred me into general. Um, and I remember it was a male aide uh, who was helping transfer me over there. And he's like, yeah, we got you a great room. It faces south. You'll have a great view. And it was on the fourth floor of looking south in Brandon. And I like, okay. But I remember rolling in there and looking and thinking I could see mountains. And I'm thinking, this this doesn't feel right. Mm-mm. I had no idea where I was. So they rolled me in there and then I dozed off for a bit. And there was a uh, very young nurse come in and she introduced herself. And I don't remember her name, but I remember her asking, do you know where you are? And in- instantly, not even hesitation, I said, we're Hockettawagan. I thought I had been shipped off to a northern medical facility <laughs> for isolating COVID patients. Yeah. You know, that was one of the many things that my brain put together with the wonderful medication they had me on. <laughs> so yeah, she's like, no, sir, you're you're in Brandon. I mean, no, this doesn't look like Brandon. So yeah. That's so I funny. Was, oh my goodness. That's funny. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some of the uh the <laughs> medic medicated dreams are pretty good. So, <laughs> yes. uh, so yeah, we're in the general and uh I was facility. Oh my god, that's so sorry. I missed it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I was dead set on that. Like <laughs> oh yeah. There was it was it was really strange coming out of there because mm-hmm. I hadn't moved my body essentially in two weeks. I had zero strength. Uh tube fed, machine breathing for me, nothing. So I had a lot of muscle atrophy. Um, so I had like no strength. My phone felt like it weighed tons. Like I, I couldn't hold it up. I was so frustrated because I couldn't unlock it. And so, um, my wife would call the nurse's station. And (laughs) once again, the nurses were phenomenal because Mm -hmm. they would come into my room after a couple of minutes and they'd just be getting in the room and all of a sudden there's a video call on my phone. So they Mm -hmm. would set it up on the desk on the table beside me so that I could video call with my wife mm-hmm. and uh you know when we were done my wife just hung up and the phone didn't move because I couldn't move it so but uh I remember telling my wife that she has to call the bank manager now because I thought all my banks had been cleaned out and all my accounts had been cleaned out <laughs> yeah oh, and I was yeah. I was aggressive with it. Like, oh, wow. you have to do this. I was dead set on it. She's like, you you wouldn't back off of this. Like, I had to do it just to get you to stop. So she called the bank manager. She's like, no, nothing has moved. Like, everything is fine. <laughs> but I just, I couldn't get into my phone. So I thought yep. somebody had taken the phone, had you. Yep. hacked it, and, you know, cleaned me out. I mean, there wasn't a whole bunch there to start with. So they really <laughs> wouldn't have been worth the effort. But, uh, yeah, there was so, so since then, what has been, so this was last year, May, April? May, uh, I guess exposed April 25th. I got out of the hospital May 29th. So May 29th, holy moly, that's a long month. And then what, what has recovery been since then? Do you feel like, are you back to your old self or is there still recovery happening? still recovery happening um i've got good days and bad days when it comes to my breathing um there's days where 
Well, it was Friday last week. I ended up having a massage because I got a lot of um, problems with my left shoulder here now. And my massage therapist says, like, your breathing is so much better today. And I said, yeah, today is a good day. And by the end of the day, it wasn't. Like, you could hear a little bit of raspiness and stuff like that. And it gets heavier. Um, you got a little quiet there. Can you, sorry, your your microphone got a little quiet. It changed a little bit. Yeah. Oh. Let's see. I wonder why that is. Is that any better? No, it's the same. Oh, that's weird. I don't want to mess with it and screw things up when you're recording here. No. Um, Let's try. I'm just going to pull up my volume too. This should be okay. Let me see. Oh, uh, there we go. Now you're back. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yeah. I was running off my earbuds to see if I could make things yeah. better. Okay, well, if that works, then we'll keep on going. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, by the end of the day after the massage, there, uh, my breathing was a lot heavier. And, um, it's I'm very sensitive to atmospheric stuff, uh, you know, allergens and um, air pressure and stuff like that seem to, humidity is a big one, so. Yeah. That's all new since, like, that's from the COVID now? Yeah, yeah. everything pre-COVID, uh, never really had an issue with that, so. And then, of course, we had the most wild winter with ridiculous pressure changes and humidity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So. So are you back at, you're, you're just recently back at work, but you had challenges due to your recovery to go back to work, correct? Correct. Yes. We don't have to get into details. I know, like, I don't want you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've been a pretty open yeah. book for most of it. There is some yeah. stuff that I keep to myself. Yeah. But, uh, so in the hospital, um, they do what's called proning. So they'll take a person and flip them onto their stomach to yeah. help with the oxygen absorption in your lungs. Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't like to do that to people over 200 pounds Westall. so me going in there at 440 and them thinking well we got to do something so they wanted to prone me uh it ended up being a nine person team uh yeah uh they they told me like my physiotherapist in the hospital said they learned a lot from me with just moving me around medications and all that stuff because you don't get people my size coming in like that. No. So, yeah, it was a nine-person team because I was already intubated. So there's four people on each side. Oh, my goodness. Somebody, somebody's job was just to support my head and keep it moving properly, not to damage my throat as we're rolling around. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they rolled me over, did all that. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it helped. And then they put me back onto my back, and I tanked again. So they ended up having to prone me again. So these staff at the hospital there, this team of nine people, I don't know where they pulled nine people out of a staff shortage in the hospital, uh, had to keep rolling this heavy fellow back and forth. So, uh, but uh, through that, um, I've taken some damage to my left shoulder. Uh, and it's... Uh, I've got not a bad word. You will never hear a bad word, word come out of my mouth about any of the nursing staff there. No. Absolutely phenomenal. And if this is what it took to keep me alive, whatever, they could have taken the arm with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have uh, a centimeter of cartilage in my shoulder. Got, and they call it delaminated off the bone. It's actually come off the bone. So I've got some pain in certain motion mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So 
uh, that's limiting me from going back to my old job, which fine, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so well, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, of course it's a blessing you're here and all that, but it, it's of course okay to be, you know, disappointed and yeah, yeah, frustrated, not with what happened or who did what, but just with the whole situation, right? Like yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, through the recovery, you know, I kept setting bars higher than what I could achieve sometimes. Um, When they transferred me into the um, recovery ward, uh, Sinawine Center, uh, there was four student nurses there that did the transfer with me. And um, I forget what day of the week it was, but essentially three days later, uh, they told me, this is where you're going to be. And I said, okay, well, I'm only here for a couple of days. I'm getting out of here. And I couldn't walk at that time yet. I it was heavily assisted. It was a, a four-person team had to come in to move me around and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And so uh, I told this nursing students, I'm out of here. And they, I remember there's a male there. And he says, you know, you realize you're on the second floor, right? And like, I don't care. There's a mattress there. There's a window there. I'm getting myself out of here. Yeah. I feel like I was dead set on getting out of there. I did not want to be there. My wife said one of the first things I said to her when they allowed me. Oh, you got muted. Here we go. Okay. Your wife's head. No, sorry. No, no, somebody tried to call me. Anyways, one of the first things that I said when they let her video call me when I was was awake-ish uh i was just i want to come home i want to come home i want to come home and so um being in the general uh i couldn't have any visitors so once they transferred me over to the cinema center i was left one visitor and that was her and i had to get special permission to have my son come in and uh just to be able to hold him again was phenomenal but that just sparked me more it's like i I want out of here i want to be with them so uh, I'm pushing I'm telling my wife like I'm coming home in a few days here you know you gotta be ready for me and she she ended up calling the hospital and talking to my doctor and like is he coming home and they're like no 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 he can't even go to the bathroom himself yet like he's not so so the doctor ended up coming in and saying like have you been trying to push your wife into letting you come home I, I guess so yeah yeah. yeah, not going home yet. So yeah, okay, fine. So uh, I ended up being in the Cinnamon Center for around two weeks. Um, my wife was driving to Brandon almost daily to come through the visiting hours. Um, she <laughs> she was the reason why I bounced back as quick as I did because. Um, I started getting very picky with what I was eating in the hospital because mm. everybody loves hospital food. Uh, so she would come and hang out over supper time. She would bring in food and stuff like that. And I wouldn't touch my meals during the day, just waiting for this food. Like it's coming, otherwise I'm not eating. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, she, she was a huge help with that and getting everything set up at home for me. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, so now, how, like, what was, so now you're, like, one of the first more publicly known 
cases here, right, of COVID, like pretty severe anyways, what was their stigma? How was the community? How was your family and friends? Did you feel really supportive? Was there challenges with being a was, and a public case of COVID? There was lots of challenges to the recovery. Yeah. Um, but uh, our community, our family, our friends and stuff like that were phenomenal, just phenomenal. We've got a little like billboard thing for talent announcements in town here. And uh, they had put up, COVID has hit home, prayers for Chris, Alyssa, families, oh. and family. Um, I was day two in general, and my wife sent me that picture. And I started crying. It's like, yeah. that's, that's huge. Like, it, it, it seems like something very small, you know. It's oh, plastic letters on a board, but it meant a, a lot, you know. Um, I, I try to be very active in the community and volunteering and stuff like that. And I'm not, I don't, I try not to be somebody asking for help. And uh, the fact that the community just stepped up the way they did. Like at one point, Alyssa had to post on her social media, like, please, like, I appreciate it, but don't bring any more food. Like our fridges were full. The people were bringing in, there are some amazing cooks in this town, phenomenal cooks. And like our fridge was full. Like she couldn't keep up so you know she was so appreciative of that because yeah. she didn't have to worry about cooking it was pick this out warm it up you know everybody kept fed and watered so everything was good but yeah no there was very very supportive uh we both had a lot of people reach out and said that we were on the fence about the vaccine and then we heard your story and they went and got their shots and stuff like that which I'm very proud of those people. I'm, I'm happy that my story has made a difference and I'm thankful they did what they did. So um, I, I love that for everything that you went through, you know, sharing your story did help a lot of people, right? It was on the news everywhere here. A lot of people got some good information from it. It, it really helped push, you know, it, you can always understand a bit of hesitancy, right? With medical interventions and procedures. There's always, you know, there's nothing wrong with just being sure that it's the, you know, right thing, but it's pretty clear here, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, to the point where it's like, ugh. so for you to be able to just give them some peace of mind that like, no, if you're protecting yourself and your loved ones and your family, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. It was yeah. really yeah. good for you to do that, to share, because it's obviously it was quite the painful process and, you know, very personal. So for you to share all that with everybody, it's. Amazing. well and it was more so like um my wife was posting daily updates on her instagram story and stuff like that mm -hmm. you know people were reaching out and you know sending her stories of you know good times they'd had with me and like he's gonna get through this yeah. and there was that support as well yeah but uh just her putting that out there um was big for a lot of people to see what you know this is how it's beating up our family. And it wasn't just me. It beat up our family. Uh, she has got some post-traumatic out of this, um, which I totally understand. Yeah. Um, I actually feel bad for it because I don't. Um, because it's, it's off my sleep. There's yeah. two weeks of nothing. Where that two weeks, she's looking at a phone, video calling with a nurse, with her husband laying in the hospital bed, a tube in his throat, and she can keep him alive. She's got a doctor telling her that he's on single organ failure. Um, we've done everything we can for him. 
his lungs are just tuckered out. So, you know, it, it didn't, it, yeah, it took a toll on my body, but it took a toll on my whole family. Like it's, it's really, it's put a lot of, uh, a lot of changes in our family through this all. So, yeah. So then what were some of the challenges or, you know, other than, you know, on the, on the flip side of support, I'm sure there were still some vocal people in your life, possibly on the other side of things. Not directly in my life. That's good. Anybody, yeah. Um, most people are very respectful. If, you know, if their opinions didn't match up, they were very respectful about it. Uh, but reaching out to some friends who are um, in some of the higher communities, mm -hmm. um, you can hear some of the ways the stories got twisted. And uh, we actually just had supper with uh, a couple uh back in february and uh they said yeah they were talking with this guy and he's like oh yeah he had this wrong and this wrong and he had uh how did he put it uh triple triple pneumonia or something like that like it, it was it, it, something that didn't exist but this person believes that's what i have and oh. uh, <laughs> so he just pulls his phone up and pulls up my wife's instagram feed and like here you go. This is his wife telling you exactly what's going on. Yeah. Oh, like uh, threw this person off. So you know, there, it, it's like the old game of telephone where somebody the story gets twisted just a touch and keeps getting worse and worse. So yeah, and it's and it's natural. And humans are not wired for uncertainty, right? So for something that most of us do not know, we're not scientists or doctors, right? It's, it is a more natural inclination to start making up stories that help us feel more settled, Yeah. but it doesn't help because it's not actually accurate and it's yeah. more damage in the long run. So how did, how was it seeing all for you and your wife and especially still going through, you know, the psychological healing, some physical healing, you're still adjusting to the changes in your life and work and all that stuff how did it feel seeing all the protesters and all that coverage? Like how did, how did that affect you guys mentally and emotionally? It was frustrating. Um, I was in the Cinnabon center and a coworker sends me a picture of another coworker who uh, is a vocal anti-vaxxer, anti-masker the whole night. Yeah. And he says, yeah, if you saw a so-and-so on the street right now, what would you say to him? And I just said to him like, I wouldn't say a word to him. I'd walk up and punch him in the throat and make him feel what I'm going through. Yeah. Because I literally just had a tube in my throat for two weeks. Yeah. Um, and I do have some residual damage from that. Thankfully, by my stature, I've got a little bit more room in my throat. So yes. the tube as much damage as it could have. Um, but uh, I do have some scar tissue in there. So, so there's a swallow or speak or a little bit of both? like food yeah, It's swallowing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're working and addressing that now. But um, yeah, I just said like I I would go up to some of these protesters and just punch them in the throat. Yeah, one of them feels like to have a tube in your throat. This is what it feels like. Uh, when they were protesting in front of the hospitals, uh, I wasn't at full strength at that point. Yeah, but I was ready to drive in there and say like, okay, if you want an escort in there, I'm gonna walk in there with you. Yeah, and like. I don't think many people would have uh, would challenge me, but I just I, I it, it's it's just getting under my skin already again. Um, 
it bothers me that these people were attacking the hospitals and attacking the staff and all that um, who are putting themselves on the line mm-hmm. to try and help us. And they're exhausted and they're overworked and like I, I've, I've think like it's every hospital email staff member that I've come across like mm-hmm. I've tried to thank them all like thank you just uh, I know the way things are being handled isn't ideal just stay strong because you're they're making a huge difference for so many families yeah and, you know mine is just one of many stories where um I wasn't just knocking on death's door like I was kicking at it thankfully nobody's answered mm-hmm. uh, but uh Thankfully, the hospital staff was there and did their thing, and I'm still here to talk about it. So that's awesome. Yeah, those those protesters really got under my skin. Oh, I I can't even imagine how frustrating yeah. that would be. The um, so now that the restrictions are just there's no more restrictions technically. Now it's just recommendations. What from your experience and from how you and your family are moving forward now? What would sort of be your from your just from your experience, not medical advice, but from your experience, what would you want people to know going forward with you know the government in a place where people can now can decide for themselves what would you want them to know most so they can make really good decisions about protections and cloth masks don't do shit. <laughs> yeah. I was worried. Yeah. I got contracted COVID. Yeah. I was wearing a cloth mask. Yeah. Didn't do shit. So be mindful of that. Get the be medical, mindful. like the K95, like the respirator style mask. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I know yeah. supply could probably be a bit of an issue, but, you know, just if you're going for a cloth mask, still be cautious. Do the six hot, do, you know, all that. Um, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm stuck on the fence here. It, it's so difficult because, um, I'm a hands-on guy. Like when I see somebody that I know, it's like oh, you're a hugger, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's so hard for me to go through and not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I went to a, a beautiful wedding here this summer, and her her rules were like no hugging. And I'm like, you're killing me. Like I, I can't go to this wedding and not hug people. Uh, <laughs> it was so difficult. Yeah, um, but uh, there was a couple of hugs snuck in here and there. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so strange, you know, to see people's faces again. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's been yeah. better part of two years. Um, I'm not a fan of wearing masks myself, but I understand why we have to do it. Yes, I, I've got the scars telling me why I have to do that. But there are are times where I just it's like, do I have to? Like, when I'm having a bad day and I gotta wear a mask, then it, it makes it worse pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's it's so weird with the fact that it's all suddenly, yeah, it's a Tuesday in March and COVID doesn't exist anymore. Yes. We pull all restrictions. It's like, oh, we have to learn to live with it. Well, we're not really living with it when we just ignore it. Yeah, we, we still have to understand what 
it's doing and you know what's going on so it's been nice like i've gone since restrictions lifted i've been to the movies and i've been to uh, a small concert at a uh, time has changed downtown yeah. and the majority of people are still wearing masks which made me yep. happy um yeah it's been i feel a couple in the movie theater remember a couple of people laughed that we had masks on but for the most part everyone else was wearing it, except for those people laughing at people that were and, yeah. <laughs> and same thing in the bar like even it was the same thing and it was um and yeah so it's good that people are still aware and like doing some like it's not that it's disappeared or doesn't exist it's just still gotta be yeah and one thing i've noticed and it's it's not to beat up on the rural folks like i am one i i know exactly what they're thinking is um the uh, urban population i've noticed wears the mask more often yeah as you get out into the countryside it's it's a lot more lenient and there's a lot more uh non-believers out in the countryside too not all but that's where a lot of of the populations are Mm -hmm. and uh i get it you know you know everybody like you feel comfortable with everybody out in the rural communities whereas you know you're see, you're walking past strangers all the time in the urban environments yeah but uh it's still i don't know it's it's so difficult for me because i i i feed off people's faces and emotions and, mm-hmm. and other people's energies it just it it keeps me going and to be able to see faces again you know have my face uncovered it feels amazing it is really nice but it's also that like the other side of it it's like it's still here like COVID is not gone it's still here yes I might be triple immunized yeah it's still here it can still do damage like so it's it's such a tough spot right now it is yeah it is definitely uh it, it is really strange to be should I feel more uh, relax should I be more still like what level of like caught yeah I know exactly well, yeah like even through everything I've gone through with all this part of me just wants to throw caution to the wind and just, and just yeah. <laughs> let's go this is how we're gonna do this let's get through this yes well there's still a piece in my mind that's like no no like we, we still have things to do here keep moving forward and be safe Definitely. I know my strategy has been like since they released most of the restrictions, so it's been a little extra cautious with masking and hand washing and all that good stuff, right? And being around people that might have symptoms, right? And making sure that I don't go anywhere. If if it, I have been feeling great, but if I had any symptoms, I would definitely not go anywhere. Um, because I want to see where the dust settles in a few weeks after, right? Like once this wave of no restrictions happens, let's then then. Maybe I'll feel a little more comfortable being a little more or less cautious. But right now I'm like, this is really the litmus test right now. Is like percent. Yes, <laughs> like Alberta when they're like, greatest summer ever and worst fall ever. Like yeah. <laughs> greatest summer ever. Yes. <laughs> you don't get a summer now. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Yeah, um, no, it's it, it's such a tough spot. And like mm-hmm. I know of a friend um who works in the medical field who's actually no sees this she she's been working in the hospitals through this all yeah. and she has actually pulled her child out of daycare she's like 
I'm going to wait two months, let this run its course. Yeah. <laughs> going to go through the daycare, and it's, it has been. It's been in the local daycares and stuff like that. And yeah. Before they pulled the close contact notifications away, uh, we had dealt with two close contacts in one week kind of situation for a son. And that's scary because he is very susceptible to colds and stuff now. Um, there has been thoughts that it could be an asthma type type thing. But even uh, from having COVID, maybe? Quite possibly, yeah. Um, but the cat test for asthma until they're three. So, you know, we're kind of, every time he comes home from daycare and has sniffles, like, here we go again. Like, and it's it's pretty steady. Yeah. So, you know, we've got his puffers available and stuff like that. And we're armed oh, to the people that had COVID, they had that mild, but now they seem to catch every little cold along. Like, they're just Everything. constantly sick now. Yeah, no, it trips him up so quickly and easily. We have to be very cautious with that. Yeah, and I didn't know, and I, I can't say that that's a causation. It could be just court. Like, I'm not saying that there's medical evidence towards that. It just, no. It's just something I see, and a lot of people I know that have COVID exactly. they tend to get very sick. Very, like, do you find, like, do you find, like, you're more susceptible? Well, you said allergies and just breathing, so yep. you must feel like someone's got the sniffles on catching that. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hear somebody else cough at work. I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like just grabbing the alcohol spray. Just yeah, just... <laughs> Take a bath in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got a really good group of guys that I work with now <laughs> in the office. So, you know, they, they know my stance on things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Are so. You... Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, you go on. Well, it's just, it's so, it's so weird because you're living two years where you hear a cough or a sneeze in the store aisle and you're, <laughs> I'm out, leave the shopping cart, I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> Now it's now it's like oh yeah whatever it's it could be cold you know they still exist yeah and with us you know disinfecting everything so heavily with COVID and that you know there could be something else floating around now but okay. you know it's it's life that we have to work through now yeah, so, yeah. and we'll get there just like Spanish flu right it's yeah. you know, H1N1 there's, there's hope that things yeah. will pass for the most part thank goodness and i really appreciate you being here are you just to ask a question i don't know and i can cut this out if this isn't appropriate but you know being off work and all the things that you're going through i know that people donated food but is there a gofundme or anything have you guys recovered financially is that are you still taking donations if someone wanted mm -hmm. to participate is mm -hmm. that no we're okay. all good the support okay. that we had was amazing uh, two of my sister-in-laws had set up a trust fund and everything. Nice. And, um, I, it's going to sound weird, um, but it's almost a blessing that I got sick at work because uh, I've, I was covered under workers' comp. Yes. So was covered. Yes. Uh, yeah. So the equipment I needed, like the walkers I needed when I got out of the hospital, the lift assist stuff in like the bathroom and the bed and all that, um, that would have broke us because there's a couple thousand dollars worth of equipment. And yeah. uh, thankfully it was all there when I come home. Thank so, goodness. Yeah. But no, uh, we've bounced back pretty well. Uh, very thankful for everybody's support and you know with you know i've heard a lot of horror stories dealing with wcb um i'd like to believe i'm maybe a lucky one or 
our <laughs> apples keep getting talked about, but yeah. um, it's been very helpful for me. So I used to work in the disease unit for workers' compensation. So no, it's oh, like, and that that is a good unit. Like it's a yeah. so yeah. I'm yeah. really glad that they covered COVID as an occupational illness. Well, they pretty much had no choice. Yeah, because it was contract traced right to where it came from. Yes. So, you know, this is what happened. This is where it happened. This is what it happened. Yes. Because um, uh, they won't. Like, if you get a cold or a flu, that will never be covered. But this, no. I'm really happy that they included this. As they did. Yeah. And I, I'm very appreciative of uh, some of my union brothers uh, who stepped up and helped my wife with the WCB stuff. That's awesome. Um, because it was eight days from exposure to intubation. Um, I didn't have a power of attorney set up. I didn't have a will in place. I had nothing. And next thing you know, I've got a machine keeping me alive. Uh, so um, we've got a great friend who uh, helped my wife with some legal stuff. Um, some of my union brothers helped out with the WCB forms. Everybody's reaching out asking, like, do you need any help with anything? You know, my wife's phone was just buzzing with people asking to see if they could help so the support was phenomenal that's awesome treatment is a great area i used to have a i used to work with um because when i worked with dealerships metcalf's is in treatment right yeah yeah great people so yeah yeah i actually uh volunteer with uh, the owner with Uh, neil oh nice very nice yeah he's a good guy he's a really good guy it's a it's a nice little town it is yeah it's it's phenomenal for the community so awesome so thank you so much for your time and sharing and don't forget to send me if there's any links to information or your social media if people want to check things out send those to me and i'll put those in the show notes and yeah i really appreciate you chris thank you so much for sharing and sharing so openly it's it's awesome you help a lot of people you're you're very welcome thank you for having me and you know, maybe uh, sometime we get both Ryan and I on. Yes. We're going to have a follow-up, the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Ryan and Chris show. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I follow up with him too shortly. I haven't heard how the guy's doing for a little while. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that'd yeah. be good. Yeah. His long COVID has been pretty severe, right? Like it, it's, it's hard. It's seen the difference that the two of us have had over the yeah. same stream. You know, the way it took me so quickly and aggressively, and then his was like a longer, slower, still aggressive, but, you know, it's, it's taking, it's just dragging on. It's almost the never ending COVID for him, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah so hopefully. Last time I talked to him, though, he was doing a back. Getting better. Program, so. Yeah. Yeah, he's coming along, but yeah, it's, uh, that's one thing that's helping me is, you know, when I was able to look through my phone and see all the messages, like, one of the last messages I sent to him was like, I am so sorry, man. Like I'm going to the ICU. I'm sorry I exposed you to this because he had told me that he was going to see a friend who was uh, going through cancer. Yes. And I'm like, um, as soon as I knew, I phoned him because it, it, it's, it, it could be a life or death for this person who's going through chemo treatment, who's immunocompromised. It's, it, people don't see the bigger picture and see that stuff. So. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, scary. There's just the difference uh, of attack that these things make. It, so. Yeah, very different and very different people. And you are a protector. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. 
<laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your day. And if you think of anything else you want to add or anything, just let me know. But thank you again. It was so nice talking to you and getting to talk to you in person. Oh, it was great. Thank you very much. Thank you again, Chris. That was really wonderful. I so appreciate your willingness to share so openly and candidly uh, with everybody. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. There'll be some information in the show notes. Um, and you're welcome to find Chris on social media and reach out to him. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much for listening and look forward to chatting with you next week.